Welcome to Eternal Leadership. I'm Steve Ryder. And John, as we open up this show, we wanted to give a quick shout out to a few people that have given us ratings on iTunes. Yeah, thank you guys so much for going to iTunes and giving us a rating and a review. That helps us so much with our rankings in iTunes and what we're trying to do with the show. So a special thank you to Jay Cleary, Maritza Para, and Joel Bogus. And if you go to iTunes and leave us a rating and review, I'd love to give you a shout out at our next show. So thank you so much for the support. Does he have this paradigm that being a leader means I got to do all the work? Or does he have a paradigm that says, no, I just need to lead my executive team as individuals and build that trust and co-create their role, their responsibilities and their metrics, and then trust them to go do the same to the next level of the organization? So their definition of leadership may be what's crushing them. And so to rethink how to lead could be a pathway to taking this pressure off of them just as much as some of the spiritual things. That was Jeff Spadafora from Halftime Institute. And John, I'm really excited that we are announcing a new segment here on Eternal Leadership. Something we're going to be doing once a month, maybe twice a month max. But it's going to be called Coach's Corner, and it's a way that we can interact with listeners. Well, Coach's Corner came up, Steve, because we just wanted to pour value and add value back to everybody listening. What we're going to be doing every month is taking real live questions from people out there on leadership, on spiritual development, on you know just issues about life. We're going to be bringing on some of the top executive and leadership and spiritual development coaches in the country. And we're going to be sitting down and just having a fireside chat to take your questions and just discuss them in detail, give you our advice, our thoughts, and hopefully you'll walk away with just some great learning and steps on how to move forward in your own life. Now, today we're going to be talking with Jeff Spadafora from Halftime Institute. And the book, Halftime, written by Bob Buford, in your life is probably one of the most impactful books you have ever read. I've heard you tell me that a couple of times. Well, Steve, that's absolutely true. You know, as you know, we've talked about before, you know, as I recovered from this accident and looked at things, right, we've talked about an inheritance is what you leave to people, but a legacy is what you leave in people. And I just had this deep desire to live a leg, you know, have a legacy and, you know, have a life that's significant. And as I was sharing that with a friend of mine, they gave me this book and the tagline is Success to Significance. This book is written by Bob Buford. And when I got the book, Steve, Mm -hmm. I started reading it. I could not put it down. I tore through this entire book, and it's hard for me to read. I only have one eye that works now. And I got through it in a day and a half. And at the <laughs> end of this, <laughs> here, here's what this book showed me, is that there is a path forward. Bob details his entire two-year journey that he took mm. on how to take his life to a whole new level, to have impact, to have meaning, to have significance in every area of his life. And I didn't think I could do that in every area. And through that, I was introduced to Jeff Spadafora, who we're going to be talking to. He is the head of coaching at the Halftime Institute. Now, how does Jeff tie in to Halftime? Well, you know, Jeff went through his own Halftime journey, Steve, probably eight or nine years ago. He was one of the top leadership and executive consultants, management consultants in the country. He had a very large practice that he was running. He read this book. And he reached out to Bob Buford personally. Yeah. And through this, it was so impactful for, for Jeff also, trying to find this life of significance and joy, that he became uh, an executive coach, became a, one of the first halftime coaches, and he's now helped hundreds of people go through this process. 
He's also trained 38 other coaches at the Halftime Institute to be halftime coaches. They've helped thousands of executives and leaders in all spheres of influence go through this process. And I went through this process, Steve. It was about a year mm -hmm. long. It was one of the most powerful and impactful things that I have personally ever done. What it gave me was just total clarity of who I was, the potential that I had in me that I didn't even realize, the potential that God put there, but mm -hmm. then how to tie that to a calling. That is something that had always mystified me. I had no clarity on, you know, what's my calling? What's my purpose, right? That's a question we ask all the time. Going through this process, that became crystal clear for me. And as you know, that just led for me to just some incredible velocity in my life, accomplishing some things with a level of peace and joy I honestly didn't know even existed. Yeah. So yeah, this book has been had a huge impact on my life, my relationship with Jeff and, you know, working with the Halftime Institute. And I got to tell you, I'm excited to announce to everyone that we are formally partnering with the Halftime Institute. And we're going to make a copy of Bob's book available to all of our listeners. All you need to do is just go to eternalleadership.com slash halftime. That's eternalleadership.com slash halftime. We'll have all that information afterwards, as well as a free hour of halftime coaching to any listener that has any questions about the book. And so, John, I know this is a partnership that you are really excited about because of what halftime has meant to you. Yeah, and I'm excited that we can get a copy of this book into the hands of everybody that's listening. So this is going to be incredible value to your lives, and I really hope you enjoy, and it does for you what it did for me. Here is Jeff Spadafora talking with John Ramstead on this edition of Eternal Leadership's Coach's Corner. I'm here with Jeff Spadafora. Hello, Jeff. Hello, John. Uh, Jeff is the head of coaching at Halftime Institute. Uh, he's been a, a certified coach for over 10 years. You've worked with hundreds and hundreds of executives mm -hmm. in, in a powerful way and also trained uh, 38 coaches through halftime that are working all over the world. So mm -hmm. couldn't think of a better guy to, to kick this off with. Mm -hmm. So here's the first question uh, that came in. Uh, it's from a business owner. He's running a very large company with almost 300 employees. Okay. And about five years ago, he came to faith. And he wanted to really bring that into the marketplace uh, from really a perspective of servant leadership. So what he shared with me was he traditionally you view a company, right? The big triangle CEO at top and then the layers go down. He flipped that upside down. He goes, I think as a servant leader, it should be an upside down pyramid. The CEO's at the bottom and he serves up, he serves outwards. But he feels that entire weight of this company on his shoulder. So mm -hmm. even though financially, He's in a fantastic shape. If, if the business went away, it really wouldn't affect what he's doing with giving and his lifestyle. But that fear of failure, that stress, that anxiety mm -hmm. has not changed. He sees Christ standing next to him, and he'd mm -hmm. love to shift the weight of this company mm -hmm. over onto God's shoulders. Mm -hmm. And I asked him, do you, you know, on a scale of one to 10, how do you feel that, you know, God has a plan? He's a partner in this. He goes, it's a 10. I said, how do you feel about that in your heart? I mean, when you just, you know, in that deep place where you really just got to trust and let go, he goes, you know, it's a one. And mm -hmm. I don't know how to go from a 10 uh, to a one or a one to a 10 in my heart mm -hmm. so I can just, you know, lead better, serve better, and just have that, you know, more joy in my life. So let's, let's start with that situation. Mm -hmm. You know, if that was a client of yours, where would you start? Yeah. 
Well, I think the first thing to sort of frame my comments with is, um, you know, we know that coaching is not uh, experts with smart ideas. Um, so where I would try to be going with him would be ultimately through questions. Mm -hmm. um, but for purposes of our conversation, we could kind of brainstorm yeah, let's what, do we, what we would do. But the, the pathway to get him to his own conclusions would be through questioning because we know that's how adults learn and then we know that's how adults change behavior in a sustainable way is when they really own the solution as opposed to being told the solution. So, so somebody in that situation, what's yeah. a question they're driving down in their car what, that, they, that they could sit there and ask themselves? Yeah. Start, start the process. So I, w I would say, okay, so you're, you're at a 10 in terms of your knowledge that God's got your back. Right. But you're at a one that he really does. Right. Okay. So the question is, so, so what's at the root of that? Like what's really breaking down? And just, I would just kind of give him permission to just kind of verbally just start rambling. And, and, you know, is it, is it past experience where you trusted and you got burned either with God or with another person? Is it perhaps, um, a lack of, of real knowledge around how God does have your back and in what ways he has your back. So it would just be, you know, giving them permission to ask those questions and let them ramble. Where is this disconnect? If you had to guess, if you had to be an armchair psychologist and psychoanalyze yourself, why do you think this gap exists? Why do you think your spouse might say this gap exists? Um, if you were coaching yourself and you had a buddy that knew something from scripture, but didn't believe it, what advice would you give them? So mm -hmm. coach yourself. Mm -hmm. And so, so a lot of it is there's a whole spiritual dynamic to this that I think you could help them start to uncover and then say, okay, well, where can we go into scripture to help you bridge some of these gaps? So that's a whole spiritual dynamic. At the same time, there's a whole practical dynamic. Maybe the guy just needs to hire a COO, or maybe he needs to fire somebody, or maybe he needs to delegate differently. So we could go into all this spiritual stuff, which I think is important, um, but there could be some practical solution that's just staring him in the face that, that we haven't paid attention to yet. So, so I would make that transition with him to say, okay, so we talked about the spiritual things. What about just the raw practical things, the way you could do the way your organization is staffed and aligned and responsibilities are dispensed throughout the organization. What are some of the things you could just change right now that would take that burden off of you? You know, it's interesting, you know, on the practical side of things, yeah. you know, some of the questions that, you know, come into my mind, uh, that I've gone through personally is the, you know, the executive team, the functional groups that you have, right. what's contributing to that stress, that anxiety, right? When, when, uh, when, when the pressure's on at work, right? Yeah. Uh, the worst in us tends to come out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what is the level of trust that's been built into the culture that you have? Great point. Right. Well, how, you know, can I hold you accountable? Can I have a difficult conversation with you and know it's not going to create somebody who's a, what I call a wounded avoider or yeah. hurt feelings. Can we, can we talk about this? Can we have open dialogue and discourse? What does that look like in the company? Absolutely. So, so there, there's a whole thing too around the, the, his definition of leadership. Mm -hmm. You know, it, does he have this paradigm that me, that being a leader means I got to do all the work or does he have a paradigm that says, no, I just need to lead my executive team 
as individuals and build that trust and, and, and co-create their role, their responsibilities and their metrics, and then trust them to go do the same to the next level of the organization. So their, their definition of leadership may by definition be what's crushing them. And so to rethink how to lead could, could be a pathway to taking this pressure off of them just as much as some of the spiritual things. Oh, that's an interesting point. I, you know, ask yourself, how do I, you know, first of all, how do you see yourself as a leader? What is your role as a leader? What does yeah. that mean? And then, and then how does that link back to your values and your priorities? And is there any conflict there? Cause I think to be in a place of peace, what I found is who I am as a person has to be in perfect alignment with what I do every day. Right. The actions I take, how I communicate with people, how I, you know, how I set vision. Yeah. And then when I'm stressed, when, when you know, we've had time, we've both had times where business is really, you know, it's been, it's been bad. We don't know where it's going to come from or, uh, you know, external creditors or investors, they're, they're putting pressure on us. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, uh, you know, what do you do when the board of directors that you're accountable to has, you know, wants you to go in a direction that's not in alignment? Mm-hmm. Are, are those things happening? Yeah. Right. Cause I think if you can, you know, dig deep and look at some of those, those friction points between who you are as a person and what you're having to do to be this leader, yeah. um, is that contributing to this stress, this anxiety? Well, and, and this is, this is, you know, important, particularly for, um, founders of companies, they're entrepreneurs, the business has taken off and they by default find themselves in a particular role that's actually out of their skill set. You know, I mentioned before that, you know, maybe you need to fire somebody. It might be yourself. Maybe you're playing the chairman role and, and you should be the CEO. Or maybe you're playing the CEO role and you should be the COO. Mm-hmm. And so really to sort of understand what's my gifting What's, what's my um, skill set? Um, what does this organization really need to grow and to serve our employees and customers better? And you might find that there's a more valuable role and a more joyful role for you to play other than the current role you're in. Mm-hmm. So, so that's a whole nother sort of pathway of questioning that you could, you could work with this person through. You know, and now on the spiritual side, mm-hmm. you know, one thing I, I you know, uh, the exercise I would give somebody in this, I, I call it the examine. At the end mm-hmm. of each day, mm-hmm. take some time. If you're not a journaler, well, time to start. <laughs> but look back at your day uh, before you go to bed, or maybe you do it first thing in the morning and say, okay, in the last 24 hours, you know, he wanted that weight shifted from his shoulders onto God's shoulders. Mm-hmm. Where during the day did you feel the most connected to that heart piece where you were able to do that. Maybe it was in a little bit. Yeah. And what were the times during the day where, man, that was just not possible. I just felt crushed. I just felt the weight of this company, even if things are going good. And as you bring awareness to those little moments in your life where the, the heart piece is coming, you know, to the front Yeah. in that relationship, you're shifting that weight over. It's going to happen more and more and more because you start, creating understanding of how you're doing that, what your mindset is, the decisions you're making, how you're thinking during those times when it's working the way you want it to. Yeah. Well, exactly. And this is where, this is where the sacred and the secular merge, you know, Mm -hmm. the examine was, 
was, and you, you know, this was originally started by the Jesuits. It was, it was the evening prayer right. to go examine your heart. And it's, that's the sacred history of it. And the learning that comes from that is massive. But where it connects to the secular is that's really one of the first steps of cognitive behavior therapy is to look back and say, okay, when do I start feeling the stress? How do I identify that trigger? And then what's a specific behavior that to me is a real example of trusting God more? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, so, and so you can kind of say, okay, tomorrow when I feel this emotion bubbling up, what should my action be? What should my thinking be? You know, what's my definition of trust? You know, he said, I'm a 10 in terms of knowledge, but I'm really a one in terms of trust. Well, what does trusting look like? And try it and try to trust in some sort of observable behavior. And that's, that's cognitive behavior therapy to sort of move forward to adjust your reactions to situations. So awesome. I'd love, you know, whoever asked that question, we'd love to have you follow up with this. And mm-hmm. so we're going to roll into our second question here. And it's a yeah. question, Jeff, that, that's come up with you working with some of the clients uh, at halftime. So I'll, I'll let you share. Well, it's a similar challenge as, as your, um, your owner of that, that big company we just talked about, where it's the, as, as one of my clients says, it's the toughest 18 inches in the world. It's, mm-hmm. it's what you know in your head, but what do you believe in your heart? And his question was something to this effect. I know that God's my provider, but for some reason I don't believe it. And I carry the weight of all the financial stress and responsibility. And I just don't know how to balance trusting with, with understanding my role in uh, providing for my family. So this was a client of yours. He asked you this question. What, how did you help him? Well, so I, I guess the first thing there is to help a person start to examine scripture or just even before you go to scripture, just through questionings, what's your belief about, about the, the scriptures where God is the, the provider? Um, like where did that come from and, and what specific verses are they? And so what you're doing there, John, is you're actually helping them articulate sort of their relationship philosophy and maybe even theology of money. So, so to start to examine, you know, what's their relationship with money? There's also, and this is a, there's people that are way more expert at this issue than I am, but really understanding people's relationship with money through their past. Mm-hmm. Did they grow up, you know, wealthy? Did they grow up dirt poor? Have they ever been bankrupt before? So you can look back on a person's past ask them some questions and they'll start to articulate pretty clearly what is going on with my, my belief about money. Um, ultimately the biblical belief about money is it ain't ours, (laughs) right? It's all God's and, and he owns it all and he has an endless supply of it and we're just stewards of it. Well, you know, as a coach, right, we're always looking for the reason behind the reason. What's the real root of this issue because you can get there you can really kind of blow down some doors yeah Uh, i can tell you in my own life and also working with some of the the clients that i coach it really comes uh to a concept of identity yeah right they're the money that they make and what it's bought for them their lifestyle their position in society maybe Mm -hmm. how much they give what boards they're on yeah that's that identity is being given to them 
by the world. Yeah. And this journey to actually letting go of that and, and getting that identity from your relationship with God. Now that is a process. Oh, you bet. And you guys are great at that at Halftime Institute and working people through that. But you know, maybe that's a great question to ask yourself is where do I get my sense of identity? When I lay down at night, put my head on the pillow, what made me feel great that day? Yeah. Was it the fact I, I was just at this networking event and I got honored? Mm-hmm. Right. Or I, w- I just got this huge bonus and I showed it to my, my wife and like, Hey, look how great I am. Yeah. Or is it something you did that, you know, is making God smile? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. The, the, there's a lot of people that are just constricted in their thinking <clears throat> because of, um, their identity. Um, and that whole identity is propped up by finances. And so they just continue to feed the beast. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, I think another aspect too, in addition to identity, is really, uh, you know, all these type A business guys, right, mm-hmm. is really you know, achieving goal setting. So it's really a, per, it's also might get back to uh, performance mindset that, you know what, it's, and, and I fell into this trap. All of a sudden, I, I have a big success. I have a financial win. I close a deal. Well, I don't really, I got to the point where I really wasn't giving credit to God for that. Mm-hmm. And what happens is, I you, have you gotten to a point where you've slowly drifted away from some of those deep relational values, both you know human and with God, yeah. uh, that have just led you astray? So you're you're giving yourself credit for everything. Yeah, I don't know if that's helpful. Well, to tell you the truth, I mean, I still wrestle with that. You know, mm-hmm. most people think that when I left the consulting world, that you know I became like a pastor, that like I'm perfect. But I still wrestle with performance. Hmm. And, and, you know, am I pulling my weight, uh, uh, you know, helping the rest of the team at the halftime Institute? Am I accomplishing enough to, um, you know, am I, am I coaching enough people? Am I coaching enough people well enough, um, so that they're pleased and so that my, my coworkers are pleased and my clients and, and, and I just, for some reason, I, I, I drift from remembering I'm playing to an audience of one. And at the end of the day, I got to look myself in the mirror and just say, okay, Jeff, can you say in all good integrity that you honored God with every decision, every word spoken? And when I I find that when I drift from having those honest discussions with myself and the Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. that, that I'm, I'm, I'm caught in the performance trap. You know, it's, it's interesting. You, 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 uh, you bring to mind a question about what, if God has put on a uh, a longing in your heart, maybe it's significance, maybe it's financial security, mm-hmm. those can all come from God. Mm-hmm. But then do you bring that longing out, the pursuit to uh, fulfill that longing? Is it centered on, you know, who you are, your identity, or is it God-shaped? Yeah. Right? We can have, we can have a, a deep need for significance, right? And the world might see that as egotistical if we're doing it for ourselves. But if we do it to honor God, and we want to be significant in God's kingdom and in God's eyes, it's a totally different freeing place to be. So I would also maybe yeah. look at the source of, you know, how you're fulfilling that longing. What is the, what is the, the that pursuit? Is it coming from yourself mm-hmm. or is it coming from a God-shaped place? Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right about that. We were talking earlier before we, on, we went online here um, about my book on joy. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with joy is, if you're pursuing joy, it's really like a butterfly you never catch up to. Mm. The, the counterintuitive way to experience joy is to pursue God. 
to get to know him better, to glorify him better, to obey him better. And then the supernatural unexpected blessing is joy. And so it's the same as this person with the money. What their heart is really wants is peace. They're in turmoil. They want peace. And so if you look at Galatians 5, 22 and 23, it's the fruit of the spirit. So how do you get to the fruit of the spirit? You don't get it by trying to um, psych yourself up to hand something over to God. Just relax. Start to get to know God. Worship God. Trust him. And when I say know him, I mean really dig into scripture. Spend some time in prayer. And what happens is this fruit starts to organically appear. You're not trying to have peace. You just start noticing yourself becoming more peaceful. Hmm. And so it's, it's so counterintuitive. And, and, but, it is counterintuitive. I agree. But, but it is the pathway. Focus on God. And, and, all these, and this is the other thing. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness. And all of these other things will be added unto you. And, and Jesus was talking to the disciples about what they were asking for. Food, shelter, clothing, money. So for this person who, who wants to feel peace, that God's got their back financially, mm-hmm. the key is focus on him and his righteousness. It, so it seems like you're going a, down a whole different path, but the end result is actually where you wanted to be in the first place, peace. You know, it's interesting, as we wrap up here, both these questions have come from a place of really how do I trust God, how to develop mm. a relationship that's strong enough. Yeah that I can really uh, trust, Yeah. right? And until you really trust, you know, uh, like another person, your wife, a business partner, it's really hard to have a productive relationship. Yeah. So, you know, I'll, we'll just close and just say, I hope everybody just takes away from this that, you know, uh, you get what you focus on. Mm-hmm. So focus on developing that relationship with God. Not- notice those small moments where you, where you really feel trusting Mm. so that you can have more of that just each day. This is an incremental process. If you loved this Coach's Corner idea and you have a question you'd like answered by John and the coaches he talks to, let us know at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash eternal leadership, and either message us or just post it to the page. If you want a free copy of Bob Buford's book, Halftime, sent to you, just go to our website, eternalleadership.com slash halftime. Again, we want to get a copy of this book into your hands, eternalleadership.com slash halftime. And like we said earlier, not only is the book free, but it also comes with a free, no obligation hour of halftime coaching. So if after you read the book, you've got any questions, you want to follow up with a halftime coach, one hour free of charge. Just go to eternalleadership.com slash halftime. By the way, while you're there at Eternal Leadership, you can go check out past episodes, links to our Facebook page and LinkedIn group, uh, John's executive coaching page, a lot more. Again, eternalleadership.com. Next time on Eternal Leadership, Cliff Ravenscraft and his journey from a successful insurance career to becoming the podcast answer man. If I would have not left my career in insurance, Today, I'd be making over half a million dollars a year in personal income. I would own the insurance agency that my family started in 1926. I would have taken it over and I would be very successful financially in that way. Um, And so when I left that, I pursued a career in podcasting, which by the way, nobody had done. There may be two other people in this world had done it, but I can tell you, I've reached some financial levels already that I never dreamed possible and it 
that that has not brought the fulfillment that I once thought money could bring into my life. And it, and it reminds me of why I started podcasting. And that is because I wanted to change the world. You won't want to miss it. For John Ramstead, I'm Steve Ryder. And thank you for listening to Eternal Leadership. <laughs>